Welcome to the GMC Podcast, the regular place where you can catch all the sermon series and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. Thanks for listening. Living, loving, ever-present God, we give you thanks that you journey with us, your children, through every time and season. You remain dependable, faithful and true, and when we look to you, often we are unable to see the way ahead. You make our darkness light and turn our sorrow into joy. Lord of all, as we come before you this morning, we know you are close to us. You weep with us, you gently cradle our pain, reaching out to heal and hold us. Forgive us, Father, when we forget your love for ourselves and others, out of the rich bounty you have given us. When we stray from your path and your plans for us, you are ever-present, drawing us back to you with love. Father God, as we come to worship you now, remind us of your promises. May we live this day with the joy you bring. May we worship you with all that is within us. And may we serve you as you deserve. Help us, Holy Spirit, so to do and be, that many may know the God in whom Jesus came among us, full of grace and truth. Thank you, loving Father, that this morning we can come, forgiven, loved and free, and we can come into this time of worship with grateful hearts. Open our ears to hear, our mouths to speak truth and justice, and our hearts to love and care for your people. So be it, and to you be all the praise and glory. Amen. Last week we were in Genesis, in the creation and fall narrative, and I wonder, perhaps, it left you in a place of despair, knowing that the indwelt stain of sin that pervades all humanity and the created world is kind of a depressing place to stay and be. That even through all the great things we know and experience, all the good we may do, that life somehow, we really know that the world isn't right. It's out of kilter, out of balance. And, well, yeah, the balance of good and evil is a raging battle that is real. But today, the narrative moves on, with three short readings that span the past, the present, and the future, and address the way God has, is dealing with human sin. And if you are a child of Christ, what that expectation, what that hope is. We will essentially deal with a very broad brush approach to the whole story of the relationship between humanity and God, which is easily summed up as wrong living. Sin equates to curse, to a divine curse and separation from God, or the opposite is right living and seeking Christ, which equates to a relationship with God and divine blessing. So first, hear the word of God from Mark's Gospel. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 7. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. 
Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. We are, of course, travelling the Lent journey at the moment, heading towards the crucifixion of Good Friday, the empty tomb of Easter Sunday. And we hear this morning of this discovery of the risen Jesus from Mark's Gospel. Of course, before resurrection, before the risen Christ, it was necessary that he die. And the answer, the answer of the sinfulness of humanity is found at the cross of Christ. The cross where Jesus lost his life and where in Romans Paul writes it like this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. The sin, the the stain of sin beforehand had been unpunished by God in its fullness. But Jesus comes and dies the death. Jesus on the cross satisfied the justice and holiness of God. I sometimes hear the argument that if God was really a good God, he wouldn't be demanding a sacrifice, demanding a penalty paid for the wrongdoing of humanity. But I ask you this question. Are you happy to live with unpunished wrong in society? When you see it, does it tug at your heart? Because I believe we do cry for justice in our world. Whether in places that we see on the news, like at the moment maybe Myanmar or Hong Kong or Yemen. Or whether in the corridors of political power. Or in our own streets where drug use climbs and poverty stifles life potential. Where's the justice there? Whether injustice is global, national or local, more often than not, we know when things are not right. We just inherently know. And so we protest. We ask the accused that they pay the price. Lose their job. Go to jail, pay the time, whatever it is. Or maybe if we're Christian, we pray for justice to prevail. And so, well, why not God? The created world, his created world was good. And the creation of humanity, well, that was, as we heard last week, very good. But is not now. Is it, it is corrupted and broken, and so God rightly requires satisfaction. And the Lord Jesus Christ paid that price at the cross for you, for your child, for your brother, for your sister, for your parents, your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle, your friends at school or at work, and your neighbour next door. Jesus paid the price. But he did more than pay for the penalty of your failings. In resurrection and new life, he beat spiritual death forever. Death was not the final answer. 
And these women, on the first day of the week after Sabbath rest was finished, were headed to the tomb where Jesus had been placed. And they were going to finish the job of burial, to anoint the body with spices. Resurrection was not on their mind. Sure, in their worldview, the possibility of life beyond death was real, was believed. But belief that they were heading to a tomb where Christ would be risen was far from their thoughts. They were heading to deal with the body of Jesus, worrying about how they would move this big stone from in front of the tomb entrance. Real world problems for them. But when they get there, the stone is already moved aside. And a young man dressed in white, an angel, an angel calms their concerned alarm and brings them the news he is risen. Those words we hear on Easter Sunday. He is risen. Jesus is alive. But more than that, he will meet. He will meet his disciples back in Galilee. Go tell them. Peter, Peter, who previously, before Jesus was died, denied knowledge of Jesus three times. And he's named here. He, he is highlighted by name, not to put him above the other disciples, you know, kind of being a first among equals. But rather, this naming of Peter acknowledges that he is not beyond redemption. His denial of Jesus is not an act that separates him out as unredeemable. Because no one is beyond redemption. Jesus is risen, beaten death through which the buried sin of Adam and Eve, which is buried in all of us, is buried in Jesus' death. It's gone. And he has gone ahead to meet the disciples. And there you will see him, says the angel. But what rings out of the angel's words for me in the reading this week as I prepared were the words, go and tell. In fact, it's what I'm doing right here as I record this now. As you listen, I have heard the call of Jesus and I've acknowledged him as my redeemer. And now I am going and telling to spread the good news. He is risen. But then the story moves on to the church. So here again, the words of God in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This narrative, this narrative moves the story on now to the in-between times. Following the ascension of Christ comes the day of Pentecost. Pent means 50. Well, it, Pentecost was a festival day that came seven weeks and a day. 50 days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was a festival associated with the harvest. 
You can find details of that in Exodus 23.16 or Deuteronomy 16.9-12. And it's a festival which would see the Jewish diaspora gathering in Jerusalem. And I've just read the opening verses of this day, the events of this day, which see the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus as he had promised to them. Jesus said, I will send you a comforter, a counsellor. If you read on in this passage, there are many people from around the Mediterranean, as I said, the Jewish diaspora, who witness this event, this coming of the Spirit. And they believed these people were drunk because they heard these Galileans speaking in their own mother tongues, in tongues, these all these different languages, these people could be understand what was being said and so you've got that what's going on from the onlookers not knowing and then the second part of the narrative sees Peter he's emboldened uh, by the spirit he addresses the crowd he expounds the good news and encourages people to repent and be baptized repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and then in the closing section we hear the believers they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It said all believers were together and had everything in common, that they gave to anyone who had need. And they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Pentecost, you sometimes hear it said is the birthday of the church. It's the beginning of church. It's past history, yes, to us now, but it's also the present. In the history of God's relationship with humanity, Pentecost and now are present. Through Holy Spirit, God touches. He heals lives using his church, his people. Through teaching and fellowship, we heard, that people come to know Jesus and they fellowship. That's so important, being with one another. And through fellowship, how does that look like? Well, it's shared time together, giving time for one another, sharing and breaking bread, having food, having meals, having prayer together. How important is that? Praying together and giving. Giving financially of time of your talents not just on a Sunday but throughout daily life all carried out it said in gladness a gladness and joyful heart the church isn't found in just the words of Acts and in the letters of the New Testament but in the life of the church today in the life of Christ's followers in the power of the Holy Spirit today And so the solution to the brokenness and sinfulness of humanity is found, yes, in the blood of Christ, in the cross of Christ, and in the resurrection of Christ. But it is lived today through the church of Christ. And the call is for you to play your part, to be the church. To not be passive and sit back thinking you just come to church to receive. 
to not sit back and think you'll oh, I'll skip a service this week, I won't be missed. Because trust me, you will be. Don't think that faith is a private thing. I hear it so, my dad used to say it. Faith is a private thing. People should keep it to themselves. No. This idea that, that, that you leave people to make up their minds. How can they make up their minds if they don't know what's on offer, if it's not shared? We stand all on the shoulders of the saints who went before us, who shared the good news with us. It is our duty to do likewise. So invite, share, love, give, and most of all rejoice in the fellowship of Christ as brothers and sisters, knowing you are saved. And trust that as we live a life of Christian community like the church, it said, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Lord, that's a prayer we echo. Lord, add to our number those who are being saved to your kingdom. But you might ask, being saved for what and why? You may ask, and these topics I'll look at in the next couple of weeks, but today I want to close out with a future look. I've considered the past historical events of the resurrection, an event that was attested. It was attested as happening on a particular day in a particular place in history. I've said that we are now living at the same time as the early church, that in-between time as a saved people. We are, have been buried and risen in Christ, but it's not yet a fully complete story, a fully told story in these in-between times. So here again, lastly, the word of God in Revelation, verses 21, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Newness. Newness. What do you associate with newness? Perhaps it's the smell of something new, like maybe a new sofa. Or maybe that new car smell. Or perhaps something where you think of new is more life-changing than a purchase. Perhaps something in life is new after a major illness or accident. After you know things are new, they're not quite the same as they were before. And I can understand that following I had a motorbike accident in 1996, which has left a couple of uh, health issues to this day. My life changed it was new or maybe we can just think about our present been living this year in this pandemic and we we hear uh, people say the new normal it's not like it was going to be or, or was before march february last year or what about the new life following the arri arrival of a new baby Life certainly changes after such an event. And what about marriage? That hopefully might come before the child. 
But marriage is an event that changes life, even for those who choose together, live together beforehand. Signing and going through that commitment of marriage and signing those covenantal vows before one another is life-changing. Or it should be. And it should bring a better new life together. You know, where two people bring 100% effort combining in new life together. It shouldn't be where you come bringing 50% of yourselves each, only getting 100%. It's bringing two 100%s together. And it's new. And there's something exciting about newness. But did you hear that illusion in that passage from Revelation, from John's words? I saw the holy city, the new, Jeru- the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. John is revealing God's word of a future time, a time when the present earth will pass away and a new existence will be. And he talks about this marriage illusion, the marriage of the bride. The bride being the church who are prepared and ready to receive the husband, the Lord, the Lord in all newness. Um, But like any analogy, any analogy in scripture that tries to describe God or the Trinity or Jesus or Holy Spirit, none of them truly capture God. We're limited by our words and our words are just not enough, but they are all we have. And so this idea that that it will be a new way, a new life, a, a newness of the new, if you like, something never before seen or experienced, It's saying this new beginning isn't just a a renewal or a restoration of something before. Because it said right at the beginning, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It's gone. It's finished. What is coming after is new. The passage continues from verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Dwelling with. We now have Holy Spirit dwelling with us. But in the new age, God will dwell. This isn't about going up to heaven. You know, people of no faith even talk about their loved ones looking down upon them. You know, speaking of their loved ones who've died. I genuinely think that nearly all people at heart long to believe that there is something beyond life on earth. Something better beyond life. Even if they're not prepared to live the life on earth now that may allow them to see it. But for Christians, that hope, you know, the trust, the knowledge we hold close to our hearts is that this time to come where is where we do not look up, but trust that it is coming down. Earth. Earth, Earth, the Lord's creation last week we heard was perfection. At the end of God, creation, God said, 
it is good. At the end of creation of humanity, he said it is very good. Perfection. And so our earth was right. And so people think about heaven going up. But the Christian prayer is, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. On earth, the kingdom come down. We pray through the church, the goodness of the kingdom will be manifest in the people of God. Upon and living in our world, that the church would reflect that will, that goodness of God. Through the indwelling of the spirit. And we can see that coming down today in glimpses. But it's not yet right because we still live with sin. So we wait. We wait for that ultimate consummation. The finalisation of God's time of his creation. When he will, as it says in verse 4, wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The old is gone. The new will come into being. In these last few weeks, I've covered the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the problem of sin and the intervention of God in the person of Jesus, the present day, the church and its work in the world and the future yet to come. All very briefly. As I've already mentioned right at the beginning, it's broad brush strokes on the canvas of life or it's like, you know, if you're an artist, it's putting the colour wash on the background. There's no detail in it yet. Or to use an architectural metaphor, what I've been speaking these past few weeks are the foundations of the Christian faith in, in, in their broad sense. These fundamental fundamentals of faith are what is required to be grounded in our Christian faith. So not to be swayed towards a glib Christian faith I spoke about in the first week of this series. You know, that weak idea of faith as moralistic, therapeutic deism. If you missed that sermon, go back and look at the beginning of the series. You can catch up on... um, through our website or our YouTube channel. So I guess in this series what I'm asking is for you to take the basics of what I'm saying and go deeper. Go deeper as we journey towards Easter this Lent. But for now, I think we continue the journey by just coming to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the unfolding story, for the unfolding revelation of your relationship with humanity. Thank you that the indwelling of sin in the life of humanity was not the end. That Jesus Christ, Son of God, came, died the death that we deserve to die, but rose to life, beating sin and death for us all. Father, I pray that in this time that we live where we can come to know you through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, that so many would do, that through your word, through your gospel, through your 
through your presence of the church that many would come to know the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we would hold in our hearts a better future, a time of consummation when you would make all new again. Thanks for listening to the GMC podcast from Gillespie Memorial Church in Scotland. For more details about us, visit our website, gillespiechurch.org, and search for us also on YouTube and Facebook. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page on our website or through the church office. This has been a production of the GMC team, and copyright remains with the producers of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and God bless.